talking about um, Pauline epistles, and Paul talked to the churches, he talked to preachers, and there's just four points in this verse, and I want to look at this. Go to Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to look at four principles of living for God, and we're going to talk about some principles that we get from this verse. And we're just going to look at this verse. There's going to be some other verses I'll, I'll read, but I want you to just follow along with me, and I want you to see how we can have principles for living for God. The first one, it says, it says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You so much for this day. I thank You for the ability to look at your word. I thank you for the faithfulness of members in here, Lord. I, I, I think of all the things that are going on in this world right now, but this is the most important thing we have is your word. May we see what you have for us, and may we be what you need us to be. And we give you all the praise and glory for living for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. There's four principles of living for God, and it's found in this verse. All four of them are found very distinctly in here. Paul wrote this, and he wrote it to the church of Philippi. And as you look at this, you'll, you'll understand that he loved the church of Philippi, but he wanted them to understand it was important to serve God. Um, and here he writes, of course, this letter while he's in prison. And so in, in the first part, I want you to look at this. The principle for living for God, the first principle is the principle of passion. Look at what the verse says, the first, four, first section says, that I may know Him. This is a passion that we've got to know Him. How do you get to know Him? You follow, you, you follow His Word, you read His Word, and, and as Paul writes this, he says, man, I need to know Him. He was the man that wrote all these preachers, and he wrote these churches. He was concerned about what, what we were doing for the Lord. And here he says to this church, he says that you may know him. That's an obvious thing for a church, that you've got to know him. Don't you think God wants us to know him? And he, then he gives you some things, he lays some things out, but I want you to just think about that, that I may know him. Once, you know, I've been married to my wife for how many years, sweetie? 28 years. It'll be 29 years this year in May. And I'm still getting to know her. There's times when I think I know her, and what does she do? She changes. Prerogative of a woman, she can change. You know, and, and as, I, as I think about that, there's, there's more to her than just the surface level. Same way with God, that I may know Him. How do you get to know someone? I could put up some pictures on the screen that when you saw their picture, you would know who they are. Right? If you've been watching the news, if I put... A man by the name of Schiff up there, you would know him. You'd know him by his eyes. If I put a picture of Donald Trump up there, you would know him by his hair. We, we know people when we see them, but this is not what he's talking about. He's talking about in-depth knowing Christ. And that takes some effort. I can just tell my wife, I love you, I love you, I love you, and never get to know her. And those are just words. But the Bible says that he says that to know him, how do you get to know him? There's some verses I want to read to you. You might have to jump around a little bit. Let me give you these verses and you can write them down. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. It says in that first part, it says, but grow in grace. What does this mean? 
when you grow, what happens? You get stronger. Amen? We get stronger. And when you grow in grace, that means the grace that God gives you is stronger. How do you get that grace? By knowing Him. There's another verse that I like. James 4, 8 says this, and you know this verse. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. It says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Going back to that first part, draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Aren't you thankful that He draws nigh to you when you draw to Him? I know growing up, there was some people that I wanted to be my friends, and they just were never my friends. They were, number one, they were, probably some of them were not as friendly as what they should be, but God's not that way. Then there were others that when you got to know them, you really didn't like them. Then there were others that when you, you, you judged them when you saw them, but then when you got to know them, you were amazed at how far they had come. As you look at this, we've got to understand in this verse, it says, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Thank the Lord that when I, when I search Him, He will let me find Him. But it's the, it's the principle of passion. What do you want? You get what you want when it comes to your relationship with God. There are people that walk so close to God. And there's other people that just have God as their salvation and that's it. I don't want God as just my salvation. I want God to help me through my problems. I want God to correct me when I'm wrong. How do you like that? Sometimes we don't like correction. But when you're drawing nigh to Him, He's drawing nigh to you. He's going to tell you what you do wrong. I love, I love watching <coughs> new families have babies. And they just don't understand what they're about to partake. Amen? I like that commercial. Have you seen that commercial where the, the boy on their first child, they're, they're giving him a bath, and they're like really careful with the baby. And then the second child, they're showing the second or third child, and they just throw the baby in the, ba- in the, in the shower with the guy, and he's, he's giving him a bath while he's taking a shower. I remember our first child, <clears throat> we put him in the car seat, <clears throat> and we drove home. This was in June, and I, and I thought, we need to be very safe and precautious. This is a precious child. I drove home slow. It was probably more dangerous to drive slow than just a speed limit. I did another thing too. I put, do you remember this? I put my caution lights on so people would know I'm going home. <laughs> now I look at those signs and say, um, caution, baby on board. I understood that. That second child, slap her in there, take off. We're okay. We've got to understand to draw close to him, he'll draw close to us. That's a great thing. It's called the principle of passion. Aren't you glad that God has that? And He gives us that ability. He gives us that ability. We'll be as close as we want to God. You will be as close to, as you want to God. If you have something that, that takes its place, he'll, he'll let you take its place. He wants you to love Him because we know He loved us. The Bible says this in Psalms. And when I read this the first time, when you read this, you, 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 it's amazing. It says, as the heart, H-A-R-T, this is a deer. It says, as a deer panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. There's just something about seeing a deer. Seeing them drink from water. They don't go to water when they don't need it. 
they go to water when they need it. And they're going to take that water and it's going to fulfill them. And this is the same way with God. It's the principle of passion. Look at the next part of this verse. It says that I may know Him. Never underestimate the second part. Sometimes we just read it flippantly and say, and the power of His resurrection. When's the last time you rose from the grave? Or you brought somebody back? Can't do it. God can do it. I had a preacher friend of mine, and he was, uh, the first time he was a, uh, please, what is that word I'm looking for? Um, what, what are you in the hospital? He was a police chaplain. And, and he was on his first wreck, and they said, listen, there's a fatality, you need to come. And so he was coming there to help the police officers. What had happened is this guy got hit by a, a car, he was on a bike. And, they had, and he went there, his name was Pastor Peterson, and he went there, and he started over there, he said, he started talking to the police officers, and he said, are you okay? And he said, things like this, and there's no way you can really tell them what to do. And so he went over to where the body was. And he started praying because he knew that man had a family. While he prayed, that man woke up. Sat up and started talking to him. And he, that is not what he was expecting. He told me the first time I went to a, to, a, to a fatality, I rose someone from the grave. What had happened is the guy that went and, and looked at the man, took his pulse, did not get a pulse, but he had a very faint pulse. Eventually he woke up. And it was a running joke. If you have any problems, call Pastor Peterson. He'll fix all your problems. You know, we don't have that ability. The power of his resurrection. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, it says, and declared to be the Son of God with power. You think about that. When you read the Gospels, and you read what they said about Christ being put in a tomb, it wasn't a normal thing to put a rock in front of all the tombs. Put a rock there because they were afraid someone could steal the body. And of course, even the, the scribes and some of these, the Pharisees would come up to him and say, listen, we need to guard this as much as possible. Let's put guards out there. Because they said, surely someone will take his body and then they'll declare that he got out. But I want to tell you, he got out. Over 500 people saw him. The Bible says this, it says, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. And you know what I like about this is Jesus has not changed. Hebrews says it this way. He says, Jesus Christ same yesterday, today, and forever. If he had the power of resurrection then, he has the power of resurrection now. No one else has that. God does. Aren't you thankful for God? It's the principle of power. Just think about that statement. He has the power of resurrection. Can anybody in here tell me that you have that? See, because sometimes, Denver, we read this and we go, it's just the power of resurrection. It's much greater than just some words. It's greater than what we can even imagine. For without that resurrection, what will we have? Would we have salvation? We had to have that power of resurrection to get the power of salvation. Salvation. We needed that. 
And God had that. And, we, and sometimes we, we, we read this and we, we, don't, we underestimate some things, but look at this. If he can create something out of nothing, he can have the power over, over resurrection. He have the power over the dead. Jesus himself rose people from the grave, did he not? Man, by Lazarus, remember that? And there was a child that was dead. There, there were people that were dead that he brought back. And this is the power that he gave us. He says, listen, we've got to know him. And the power of his resurrection, we've got to see the power of this. There's two principles here. It's the principle of passion and it's the principle of power. Malachi um, 3.6 says this, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. It's talking about how God has always had this power. What are we doing with this power? You know, I like that he has power because when I have a problem, that power will help me. That knowledge will help me, but that power will help me. There's been definitely times in my life where if God would not have intervened, something could have changed. I had a youth pastor friend of mine when I, was, when I was working at the college, and he told me, he said one time he, he had this phone call, and he said there was one boy in the youth group that would always call him and talk for a long time. And he wouldn't call a lot of times, but when he'd call, it'd be for hours. He said at one particular time, and by the way, young people, this is before cell phones. I know that you don't understand that, but there were no cell phones at certain times. And so I remember... Him saying he was at, talk at his office and this boy calls him and talks to him. And at one point, it was one of those questions where you go, why are you calling me? He finally said, what are you calling for? He goes, I just wanted to talk with you. He said there was really no value in what he talked to him about, but he talked to him for about 35, 40 minutes. And he, said, he said his name, he said, listen, I've got to go pay a bill. I want you to know that I care for you, just call me anytime. And in the back of his mind, he's probably going, but don't talk this long. He hangs the phone up, gets in his car and drives. Goes to Jackson, he's in Jacksonville, Florida. He pulls up to a building. When he pulls up to the building, he notices there's a police car out front. When he pulls in, all of a sudden two police cars come sliming, sliding in right beside him. And they have their weapons drawn. He's kind of looking around like, what is going on? And so he, he, he looks around and all of a sudden they said, get back in your car, sir, and get out of here. This is one of the first shootings that I'd ever heard of. Do you remember this? The GMAC shooting in Jacksonville, Florida? Made national news. He said, but if it wasn't for that person calling me, I'd have been in that building. You think God just accidentally did that? No, it was power, his power. We, where our college was, it wasn't in the greatest location. I walked out one time, I had my briefcase in my hand, I had my Bible in my other hand, and I walked out of the dormitory, and when I walked about three steps, I look up, and there are three or four police officers pointing their gun at me. They said, don't move, and I wasn't going to move. And I just kind of was like, I just wanted to say, I'm just going to New Testament survey. Please just leave me alone. What I did not know is God protects us sometimes. We don't even see it. I was standing there, and I, I, I could just feel my heart just, just beating out. Of, it's almost outside my body. These weapons are drawn on me, and all of a sudden they said, stand still, and they took off running. 
And when I knew when they were going to hit me, you know, I tensed up like, and they didn't hit me. And I looked behind me, and they had tackled a guy that had just jumped off our one floor uh, a building and jumped off right behind me, and he had just robbed the bank down the street. And I just happened to walk out. Don't move. And I looked over there, and they're tackling that guy. And, and I thought, is someone please going to tell me what's going on? I want to know. You know. God protects us in ways we don't even know sometimes. The power, the principle of power. We have the principle of passion that I might know. The principle of power and the power of his resurrection. This next one is a rough one to explain. But look what it says. It says that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. Remember, he's writing this to a church. And then he says this. And the fellowship of his sufferings. He's not going to send me through anything that I can't handle with him. You know what I like? I like how God sometimes answers, answers prayers. I like it a lot. Got a phone call this week. And Ray calls me and says, guess what, preacher? That spot on my lung is not cancer. You know, he said it flippantly like this, but I want to, it was much more than that to you, wasn't it? It's nice to know after it's over, it's not there. God didn't choose you to go through that battle. Sometimes he does choose us to go through pain. You know, I think the hardest thing as a parent is when your children go through pain whether it's physical or emotional. You know, there, there was, there, no matter where you go in ministry and you have children, you never know what's going to be said to those children. I had some people say some really mean things to my kids. I wanted to give them the merits over it, but I couldn't do it. You know what? Sometimes you just want to put your arm around and say, it's going to be okay, hon. We're going to have pain in our life. But the Bible says that we'll be in his fellowship with this. What does this mean? We're not alone. When we, when we think of some of the things that we've went through, are we the only one that's went through it? No. When I was playing college basketball, I remember one time we went out, and I've shared this story with you, but um, I went out and I, and I ripped my nose through a chain net. I would dunk the basketball and the chain net went through it and ripped my nose. You take my nose and flip it back. It really hurt. The guy with me said, oh, it doesn't look that bad, Wagner. I don't think you need anything. I think, I think I need to go get this fixed. And I remember going to the hospital that night, sitting in there and seeing all the people. They called me back into my room. And I don't know if, there's, if this is a common practice back then. They called me in my room. My, my face was still bleeding. And they said, sir, we need to have your help. And I was like, What? I was feeling sorry for myself. I said, he said, I need you to come over here and hold this young man down. And I had to go to the other room. They were short on, on staff, and I had to hold this guy's body down while they worked on his leg. When I saw his injury over mine, I didn't think mine was that big of a deal. Now, it was a big deal when it happened, but I saw the suffering that he had and the suffering that I had and his was definitely further along than what mine was. Sometimes we fail to realize, not only do we have the, the principle of 
um, passion. We have the principle of power, but we have the principle of pain. You won't go through anything that God can't help you through it. I want you to look in your Bible. Go to 2 Corinthians. Let's turn to this. 2 Corinthians chapter, um, chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to look at, at two verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Still got a new Bible and it's kind of hard to figure out everything on this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And verse 6 says this, And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer. Or whether we, we be comforted, it is our, for our consolation and salvation. Now look at verse number 7. It says, And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye be also of the consolation. We, we've got to look at this and say, Hey, if God wants us to go through something, we're going to go through it. And those things that he's going to make us go through, this pain that he's going to make us go through, there's a reason for it. Remember the statement, no pain, no gain? I wonder if doctors still think that. No pain, no gain. You know, some of the things that I, I'm affected by in my body right now is because I didn't do right when I was younger. Been there? I have shin splints so bad that if I run at all, my shin splints come back. Can I say this to you when it comes to the principle of pain and the fellowship of the suffering is something great to know. Marsh, it's great to know that when I go through something, I'm not by myself. Not. There's been times when um, God makes me think about things. Last night was one of those. It was a situation that I, I probably should handle. And my brain started working on it. You ever been there? You try to go to sleep and you try to figure out before you go to sleep how to fix it. And so what happens is your brain starts going. And my brain was going until 3.30 in the morning. And I said, Lord, I said, I've got to go to sleep. You've got to get this off my mind. And when I woke up at 6.30, guess what? It was still there. But you know, the thing I was worried about during that time and I was praying over when I woke up, God gave me a totally different answer than what I thought. I had it all planned at 3.30 in the morning, Bernard, of what I was going to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. And you know what? Through this pain and suffering of not being able to sleep, when I woke up, God said, it is not your call. And I said, Lord, do you not know who I am? You ever been there? And Larry, I just had to back off and say, okay, I'm not going to do this. I wasted three hours of my life worried about it. You ever worried about anything? You ever had any pain in your life? Anything go wrong in your life? How are you going to handle it? The Bible says that we have fellowship with Him. That's a great aspect of who God is. Finally, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, it says that I may know Him. That's the, the, the principle of passion. And the power of His resurrection, the principle of power, and the fellowship of his suffering, that's the principle of pain. Then it says this, being made conformable unto his death. This is the principle of price. His death cost us, cost him something. Just like us, we have, we have to understand there's a price to be paid. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. 
And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. There was a price to be paid. Don't you just love the price that God paid for you? The man that wrote this, of course you know, was one of the most notorious men in the Bible to persecute Christians. And now he switched it all over and he understands the price that God paid for his salvation. And he writes it and writes it and writes it to all these people. Because he understood it. It says in that verse that I read, and if you want to memorize verses, this is a good verse. It says, and I am crucified with Christ. Yeah, there's a pain in there, but there's a price to be paid. And this principle of a price, it's much greater of a price than we could ever pay ourselves. That's why I don't understand when people say, oh, I can work my way to salvation. No, you can't. There's nothing you could possibly do. There's nothing you could possibly give. No amount of money you could give for the price that Jesus paid for you on the cross. You ever thought about that? What would that price be? You can't put a label on it. It's the power of the price. Aren't you thankful that God loves you so much? And it's a verse everybody knows. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that whosoever should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the power. That's the pain. That's the passion that He has for us. That's the price He paid. When Paul writes this to this church, he says, listen, you've got to understand there's some things that we have principle in our, in our faith, and that's one of them. It's the principle of, of the price. That for there's nothing we could do. Think about the Old Testament. What would they do? When they did something wrong, they would do what? They would make a... And then when they do something wrong again, what would they do? They'd make a sacrifice. And then when they do something wrong, they would... This was never ending. But it ended on the cross. The price was paid on the cross. So as a church, when we look at this, now remember, this is written to a church. It's not written to an individual. Paul writes this to a church, the church of Philippi, and he says, listen, you, you've got a principle uh, of passion. He loves you. You've got to know him. You've got a principle of power. You've got a principle of pain. The Bible says the principle of a price. In Colossians 3.1, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, setting your affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. It's the price that he paid. I don't know when, I'm going, when God's going to take me home or if I'm going to be raptured up. I don't know when that's going to happen. But I sure do know that he paid a price for me. And he would have paid a price if it was just me alone. If it was just you alone. So when you look at this, this four basic principles of uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, understand this. We have the principle of passion. Get to know Him. Get to know Him. What do you not know about Him? You know what I like? I like when people ask me questions or ask, maybe your kids ask you questions. What does this mean in the Bible? Sometimes you might be able to answer, sometimes you might not. But you know what? We're not going to understand everything God is. But we can still get to know Him. You know what I love? The verse I love, the mo one of the most precious verses in the Bible. 
is the shortest verse in the Bible. And what is it? John eleven thirty five. 35, what does it say? Jesus wept. You know what I like about that verse? He had passion. He had passion enough to care for people even when he knew how he was going to fix it. He still wept over it. Read the whole story. He did a miraculous miracle that day, but still yet, when he was concerned about the people, he was crying over them. There's a principle of passion. There's a principle of power. The power of his resurrection. The principle of pain and the fellowship of his suffering. And there's a principle of price. I am crucified with Christ. Do we believe that? Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's our goal. That's why we've got to understand there's a passion, there's a power, there's a pain, and there's a price. And you know what he does, why he does all these things? Because he loves us. The Bible says this, and Paul writes this, For I must what? And he must what? I've got to decrease, he's got to increase. And if I don't do that, I'm building myself up. I've seen too many preachers that build themselves up. It's not about me. It's not about, well, it's not about this church. It's about God and what He's done for us. And I'm not sharing with you anything you do not know, but we've got to remember some things. And as a church 2020, how are we going to make it better? If we understand the principle of passion, we've got to know Him. How do you get to know Him? We've talked about that on Sunday morning. You do what? What's the first thing you do? You read. Read His Word. The second thing is you, you, you communicate with Him. You pray. You talk with Him. The third thing you do is you, you what? What's the third one? Follow Him. You've got to follow Him. The fourth one was what? Now, if you don't remember the fourth one, you're in trouble. What's the fourth one? You seek Him. And you know what next week is? You do things for Him. And when you do things for Him, you know what you're doing? You're doing things for other people. We're going to have sign-up sheets next week for people that want to work in the nursery. You, you might say, well, I don't really want to work in the nursery. There's some people who don't want to work in the nursery. And there's some people we don't want you to work in the nursery. There's some people that like children. Other people, If you don't like children, don't sign up for children's ministries. I noticed out there we have two new security people out there I think one of them is out there Riley's out there tonight don't you feel secure now I feel so secure what he's YouTubing it how to do it how to be a security officer now don't tease him he said I teased him too much this morning God wants to use his church you know how God uses a church by individuals and it's individual walk that you must have. It's not always easy. There's times when you get up and go, I just don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to have that fellowship with him. I want to do my own thing today. When you do your own thing, guess what? You're on your own. I don't want to be on my own. I want to understand the power. The power of the passion, the principle of passion that he has. I want to get to know him. 2020 could be the year that you know him more. Be, 2020 could be the year that you see more power that he's done. Brother Birch came to my, 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 my house today and was talking to me. And I could see the burden that he's carrying for this family. I could see it. I said, Brother, how can we pray for you? Just pray for the family. They're still in shock. 
It's that power that he has. Because sometimes in our life, we've got to step back and there's a principle of pain. He's going to teach us what we need to know. And he uses pain to get our attention. Now, I'm not talking physical pain. Sometimes it's emotional pain. And then the last one. What's the last one? The principle of what? Price. One person knew that. The price. Did he pay a price for your sin? Is he a personal savior? Absolutely he is. I think he deserves 100% of us. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also.